non-binary runners having their own category doesn't take anything away from any other runner. It just makes more people happy and it allows more people to connect with themselves and with running and we all want to experience the joy of running together. Cal Calamia has been a runner their entire life. But in 2018, their relationship with the sport changed when Cal came out as trans non-binary. Most races only have two gender categories, men and women, and Cal doesn't fit in either one. In an effort to make space for themselves and other non-binary athletes, Cal has become an advocate for gender inclusivity in races across the U.S., I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. Cal uses he or they pronouns, and we'll be using they, them pronouns throughout this episode. Cal Calamia is a teacher, a poet, a student, and they're at the top of their running game, too. Cal is competitive by nature, constantly pushing themselves to achieve better times. Last year, Cal made history as the first ever winner of the non-binary categories in two races in the Bay Area. They're fast. They finished the San Francisco Marathon in three hours flat. Cal Calamia, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. I'm so stoked to be here. Thank you for having me. You were always naturally good at running, weren't you? Yeah, I was just always running in general. I used to kind of bother like aunts and uncles at family parties and invite them to play run around with me. And they'd be like, what do you mean play run around? And I was like, you run around. So everyone tells that story about me as a little kid, just like wanting to move and like having all this energy and just wanting to expend it. And then when I started playing soccer in kindergarten, um, we would run as a punishment, you know, through elementary school and I loved it. And when I was in this sort of like in-between space between elementary school and middle school, the upper middle school kids came in to the cafeteria during lunch and kind of taught us about what cross country was. And we're trying to recruit more runners for their team. So I turned to a friend of mine and was like, will you do this with me? And we both ended up signing up and running cross country. Um, and then once I started organized running like that there was kind of no no turning back so my relationship with running has shifted and ebbed and flowed a lot since I was a little kid but the one thing I know about it is it is a place where I can find calm and it also has allowed me to just feel really empowered and really in my body and as a trans person being able to feel connected to my own physical body is really important and it's something that a lot of us don't have the privilege of experiencing so I'm, you know, hoping that more trans people will be able to experience something similar, you know, get into running and experience that connection with self that we are so often denied as trans people. Cal continued to run as they came out as queer and then trans. The sport helped them connect with themselves and their body. Then last year, Cal finally got the opportunity to compete in a non-binary race category at San Francisco's Beta Breakers 12K. Their win was huge, not only because they made history, it also jump-started Cal's work as an advocate for trans and non-binary runners. So let's talk about the trans running community. You do so much and you've become an advocate for this community. How did you become this amazing advocate? 
Yeah, it started really small. I wanted to run Beta Breakers, which is a really big race here in San Francisco. And I saw that they had added a non-binary category. So I was super stoked. I was like, this is great. You know, some, many people, most people arguably run Beta Breakers to drink alcohol, dress up in a dinosaur mascot I was like, isn't outfit. that where you like, dressed either naked or in a costume? Or oh like- yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, when I do something, I really can't just kind of do it. I have to like do it all the way. And I was like a gym class tryhard. It's really embarrassing, but true. Um, <laughs> I was too. It's okay. <laughs> like can't help it. So I basically wanted to run beta breakers, wanted to compete. There was a new category. I was like going to show up for that category. And, you know, part of my fear around these new categories coming out is that a lot of people are pushing back with the argument that they're too small or that they don't affect enough people. So I'm like, you know, when the category is there, I feel like, you know, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be a competitor in the category. So I was looking at their website. I always do this. I'm really meticulous. I look at the course. I look at, you know, all, all the information that I could possibly learn about the race to come. And I was looking at the awards section and I saw that there were awards being given to top male and female finishers and none being given to non-binary finishers. Now, there's no prize money involved with beta breakers. There has been historically, but there wasn't this past year. So I was just kind of baffled. Like, it's a medal. You're probably going to spend five, 10 bucks on it, you know, maybe 20. Who knows? I don't know. How, I don't know the running price of those, but why are you going to not award people in this category? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. It kind of made me feel like by signing up as non-binary and by being authentic to who I am, I'm disqualifying myself from competing. And that just didn't work for me. So I reached out to them and they did not really budge. They were like, oh, thank you for bringing this to our attention. We'll definitely look into this for future years. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we have some time. Why don't we look into this for right now? And um, they really weren't getting back to me and they weren't moving. They gave me that one response that was very like not involved. And I decided I was just going to use my social media platform to let people know, hey, Beta Breakers is kind of doing this thing that's a little messed up. If you want to help me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to email them. And I think it could be cool if we just inundate their email inbox with this request that they treat all of the gender categories fairly in the race. And people were all over it. We just completely blew up their inbox to the point where they were, their inbox, like emails were bouncing back because their inbox was full. So they were, I'm sure, not happy with me um, at all. But I kind of was trying to send the message to them, this actually does matter. And people care about this. And, you know, to you, it might be like, yeah, well, we'll think about it later. But no, this is an urgent issue. It's important that people of all genders are treated fairly and that non-binary runners are given the same opportunities as other runners. And it worked. So there was this, there was media coverage about them not adding the category and they didn't like that. So at the very last minute, you know, just 24 hours before the race, they added the category in the awards section. Again, it wasn't really an issue of money even. There wasn't prize money at stake, but it was really an issue of principle. Okay, so they added this category, like you made yes. it happen. Yes, totally. And then, what, and then what happened? Well, first of all, it was this huge like back and forth. I was like, if they don't add the category, I think I'm not going to run it because I think I just on principle am going to say, 
is if I'm not being treated fairly, why would I pay you and run this race? But when they finally decided, okay, all right, we'll, we'll add the category under awards as well. I decided to run it. I wore these shorts that had like pigs flying on them. Um, so it was like a subtle nod. And I also didn't wear a shirt to race because I wanted it to be really evident that I was a trans person competing in this race. And, you know, you can tell by the scars across my chest from my chest masculinization surgery that I'm trans. Um, and then I went and won the category. So it all came full circle and was really cool. And a lot of people were signed up under the category and, you know, people got to be recognized for competing and that's all I wanted. And I, I wasn't expecting to win. I was going to try to run my best and I was going to show up as my authentic self, but it was definitely this really cool, rewarding full circle moment to be able to be the first ever non-binary winner of Beta Breakers. Wow. Congrats. First Thank of all, you. being the first is not easy or comfortable. Totally. And um, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and I can't. I can only imagine. How did it feel? Ah, just so, so empowering. It felt like when I crossed that finish line, whether I would have placed first, fifth, didn't really matter. But it was, like I said, this added bonus that just made me feel so, so embodied. It was like, here I am in San Francisco being unapologetic about who I am and running something that I love so much. It's this thing that has stayed with me and been a constant in my life, though so much else has changed. You know, my gender has changed, so my life has changed, but running has been here. And ultimately, it's not really about winning beta breakers. It's about people opening up conversations about trans and non-binary people. And it's about people being forced, whether they want to or not, to acknowledge that we are here that we do want to compete in sports and that we belong in sports. I mean, it's such an argument and it's such a debate right now whether or not we can show up and be in sports at all. So to be recognized and celebrated in sports is just, it's the, it's the counter argument to so much of the dialogue around transness right now. So let me ask you, when you're done finishing Beta Breakers, do you have like a relationship now with the organizers? Um, yeah, it was kind of awkward <laughs> because like I said, we kind of blasted them, um, on their emails. So I actually took the initiative to go up to the table and introduce myself in person and be like, Hey, thank you for making this change. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And it wasn't that, you know, I wanted it to feel like a personal attack, but I felt like change really needed to happen. And I appreciate your eventual, uh, responsiveness to that call to action. So I'll be back. I'll be running Beta Breakers again in May. And this time I'll be bringing my newly founded non-binary run club full of other trans and non-binary runners to really, really show up and contrast that first year we had last year with just more representation and more positivity. When we come back, Cal tells us more about their plans to run Beta Breakers next year with the incredible run club they founded. They also share the details of their training plan and talk about showing the world their true self. When Cal Calamia isn't running, 
They're teaching high school, getting their master's degree in writing, and running as a Janji field team athlete. They've also become an activist, working to make spaces for non-binary and trans runners to compete against each other. As part of their efforts to make their own queer community feel more included, Cal started a running club. Okay, so tell me about this running club you've created. Totally, yeah. The run club, it's just non-binary run club. And I had been running these races and I had been experiencing personal success in these races. And I was like, there's this huge thing missing, which is that when I cross this finish line, that's kind of it. You know, there's kind of nothing. And what I felt like I was missing was running with and moving with other trans and non-binary people. And I thought like, what better way to, what better thing to pair these new categories with than people to run in the categories, you know? And it's been, it's just been so beautiful since December when we started up and we had like eight people at our first run, our January run had like 25 or something and people drove down from Portland to San Francisco, drove up from, you know, central California to San Francisco, all over the map just to show up and be together. And ultimately it's about running, but it's really about like what I mentioned earlier, the value in just seeing other people that look like you. So Beta Breakers and San Francisco Marathon aren't the only races you're working with. Tell me about some of the other events you're chatting with. Yeah, I probably have about five threads currently happening in my email inbox right now. And one of them that I'm super excited about is being in conversation with the Boston Marathon, um, which is upcoming in April. So I reach out via email with an introduction and then the thing, the kind of the pain points that I notice in their current system as it is, I offer my time, I offer to connect with them. Some people get back and I think the email is enough for people to make the change. And then they're like, hey, thanks for bringing this to our attention. We already changed it. Thanks. And that's it. Um, sometimes it's an ongoing conversation as with Boston um, because they just wanted to be really intentional about how they roll out the category, which makes sense because it's it's complicated. And, you know, if folks are too hasty, there could be, you know, things that cause more harm than good. And sometimes I just never hear back. So everything is different, but I'm, I'm constantly in conversation with like around five or more um, races or organizations. Wow, that's a lot. There's a lot of things that you brought up that I just don't even think about. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like that is the thing is like, it seems insignificant, but no one else has to think about it while trans and non-binary runners have to be distressed about which box to check when neither feels true. And, you know, does it feel fair? Am I going to be treated fairly here? Right? Like, and it's a relatively low lift for races. It would be so helpful for races to, for example, just say, hey, like, we are really proud to roll out this non-binary category. We're excited to welcome trans and non-binary runners this year. How easy is that? And how much would that mean for, you know, trans people, non-binary people that are hesitant to show up and run because they don't know what to expect? 2023 is the first year that the Boston Marathon will have a non-binary race category, thanks in large part to Cal. Besides taking part in organizing gender-inclusive race logistics, Boston is an exciting race for Cal personally. A couple years ago, they qualified to run the Boston Marathon, but a month before the race, Cal blew out their knee playing soccer. They ended up needing to undergo surgery and couldn't run Boston. 
After two knee surgeries and hours and hours of physical therapy, Cal is now running faster than ever. They qualified for Boston again this year, and when we did this interview, they were deep in training mode for a second chance at the race. I want to know what your training is like on a day-to-day. Well, it depends on what I'm training for, but right now I'm in the training cycle toward Boston, and I'm about seven and a half weeks out, I believe now. So I'm still in the endurance building phase. So I'm just putting down a lot of miles and increasing about five miles per week. So, you know, I I start at 15 and I go up, you know, I think this week is a 35 miler. I'll peak at around 55 miles per week. And um, then I'll start working on some speed, some VO2 max, some lactate threshold stuff. But it's really about for me getting those uh, marathon pace miles into the long runs. So I did 16 miles, you know, this past weekend, and I'll do 18 this coming weekend, but I'll plug in some marathon pace so I can really get a feel for how I want to be running those 26 miles, you know, what my legs will feel like, especially when I'm, I'm already tired, like say I'm eight miles in now, now try to put on, you know, six miles at marathon pace or whatever, and then cool down basically. And what do you eat? Great question. I right now uh, with the endurance phase, I am just like trying to eat as much as possible. You know, obviously I try to watch what I eat, but just to be frank, like I am spread so thin with the different things that I do, you know, teaching all day and then um, going to class all night and just having a few hours in between. So I try to get in like a lot of carbs, uh, a lot of protein, fruits and veggies, just a ton of water and just really like bulk up like really I'm never gonna bulk up because I'm running as much as I am and I'm you know but metaphorically bulking up by consuming a lot of calories and just having the fuel that I need to like put my body through the experiences of you know running 30 35 40 45 50 55 miles per week what do you like to eat like after a race like what's your favorite post post running post run maybe post race meal once you've got your stomach back Yes. So first of all, my stomach is never gone. Really? No, I just go for it. My stomach is gone after a hard run. Like I can't eat for a while. Oh, I'm like, feed me. Well, most of these runs at least begin in the morning, you know, and then it's maybe around early, early afternoon or like midday by the time I'm done. And it's definitely brunch. Like brunch is on. I love breakfast food. That is like all I crave. And I typically do this thing um, with my girlfriend where I'll order like a sweet thing and she'll order like a salty thing and then we'll go 50-50. But after a race, oh, I'm just ordering two for myself fully. Like I'm just going to order like an omelet and then like some French toast with like fruit on it. Oh, just like the sweet and, and savory combination. I just... Oh, I'm so hungry. I always hit a point in a marathon where I'm like, dang it, I'm I'm like really hungry. Even if I'm like super fueled and I'm obviously eating during it, like have, taking in gels and stuff like that, I hit, a, I hit a point and I'm like, I cannot wait to eat. I am now from this point on running for the pancakes. What do you hope more runners know about you and your run club? and what you're trying to do. I think, I hope that all runners can move toward a place of acknowledging that trans and non-binary runners are a part of that community. 
and that creating a supportive running environment is kind of inherent to running. It's, it's like in the blood of running is that we are there for each other, that we cheer each other on, that we want equal opportunities for each other. We want fairness. No one's cutting corners, right? We suffer together. Exactly. <laughs> running is not always fun. Exactly. Like I, before I am a trans person, which makes me other from you, we are runners together. Like that is what I want people to think about. It's just, it really is against the culture of running to exclude. And I think one other thing to, to put a pin in is that non-binary runners having their own category doesn't take anything away from any other runner at all. And I think this visibility and this representation is just so important. So we can kind of remind people that we are here and we're not leaving. And in fact, younger people are much more likely to be trans or non-binary. But I agree that what is so important is, is conversation. And it's something we've moved away from so much because, you know, there's, there are such polarizing arguments around so many things. People are so afraid of, I mean, myself included, is afraid of like saying the wrong thing, afraid totally. of getting canceled, afraid totally. of like, I think we just have to have conversations. You have to. It's, it's, there, there has to be space because, you know, if I don't talk to you and you say, you know, something that I perceive as like offensive or whatever, but I don't talk to you and I don't know you, how do we find each other? You know, I grew up in Illinois and I very much differ from my family and many of the people I grew up with in terms of political beliefs or ideologies in general. So I have become sort of expert in navigating this middle ground, which is really all about putting a person first before we put the beliefs that that person may have. And if we can all do that, I feel like we'll realize that so many of the things that we think we are disagreeing about, we're actually not disagreeing about. It's just about <laughs> really seeing, seeing people for who they are instead of for what they post on Facebook or whatever, you know? I like to remember that we're all human. And I know. And like what, what, like what feels so good to me and what is, you know, one of my primary joys in life is connection. I love new people. I love talking to people. I love listening to people. I love feeling connected to people. Like, don't people want that? Like the only way we get that is if we are willing to speak, but also listen and try our best to just be non-judgmental. You're really unafraid. You have a lot of yes, courage. I have to be. How have you cultivated that? Like, is that from your upbringing? Is that from just, it's just you? No, yeah, I think it's kind of, it's a lot of things that I don't, this is like how, how I became who I am. I don't know. It's like so many factors, but I, in some ways it's a reaction to my upbringing. And it's, you know, since I was very young, I knew you know, I didn't know everything. I didn't have words for who I was, but I just decided that I would be myself. If I don't get to live as who I am, I might as well not be living because that's not living. So it has not always been easy. I have dealt with a lot of loss by choosing authenticity. Um, but I think the ultimate goal for me of my life, I realize is not so much even happiness as it is authenticity. No matter what the cost, I will be who I am. Cal Calamia, thank you for sharing your authenticity with the world. 
This podcast comes out the day after the Boston Marathon, and I hope it went well for you. Congrats on running it and being part of the crew to run in the first ever non-binary category. Be sure to go to Cal's Instagram to see how the race went. It's at Cal Calamia. That's C-A-L-C-A-L-A-M-I-A. There you'll also find out all sorts of information about the projects that Cal is working on, their non-binary run club, and more. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, produced by Annie Fassler, Sylvia Thomas, and Sam Piers-Nitzberg of Puddle Creative, and our senior producer is Jenny Barber. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow the show, rate it, and write a review wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas.